So Smith Wigglesworth said, how many, how many have not heard of Smith Wigglesworth? So most people have. I think, I think the Lord used him to raise like nine people from the dead. It was 13 people from the dead. And um, just a tremendous minister from Great Britain and uh, really influenced a lot of uh, the modern day Pentecostal ministers. And uh, the Lord really used him mightily. He's a great testimony because, um, you know, Psalm 119 talks about the Lord really working with uh, the slow of mind. And uh, Smith didn't, uh, couldn't read anything. And the first thing he learned to read was his Bible. And that's about the only thing he wanted to read. And his wife was actually the pastor of the church. And uh, the Lord anointed him and used him in a tremendous way. Uh, but he talks so much. If you ever read his book, uh, one of the best books you can pick up or buy in electronic form, if you're like me, you're like electronic as well, but I like, I like both, is Ever Increasing Faith. And uh, it's a tremendous book. And uh, we're worshiping. Uh, I didn't intend to share this part with you, but um, I was reminded of one of my favorite quotes from him is that uh, our only safeguard from slipping back into the natural is to be filled and filled again with the Spirit of God. And then I want to read you just a couple other quotes from him. He said, uh, No Pentecostal person ought to get out of bed without being lost in the Spirit and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. No one should come through the door of the church without speaking in tongues or having a psalm or a note of praise. He's referring to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 right there. Um, and he said, All that we do must be done under the anointing of the Spirit. And again, I'm just reading you a couple of quotes of his. Um, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost. He looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Oh, this being full of the Holy Spirit, how much it means. I was riding for 60 miles one summer day, and as I looked up at the heavens, I had an open vision of Jesus all the way. It takes the Holy Spirit to give this. Stephen cried out, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Since he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of love. He manifested the very, compassion, uh, very same compassion for his enemies that Jesus did at Calvary. This being fill, filled with the Holy Spirit is great in every respect. It means constant filling, quickening, and a new life continually. Oh, it's lovely. We have a wonderful gospel and a great Savior. If you will only be filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have a constant spring within. Yes, your faith centers on the Lord Jesus from within. From within you will flow rivers of living water. And of course, if he's quoting John there, which is quoting Jesus, and this spake he of the Spirit. And so, you know, I was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues on uh, December 30th of 1997. And I was attending a Baptist church and I was actually going to a Bill Gaither event called Jubilate that they do like around the new year every year. And when I tell that, uh, a lot of people are like, you were filled with the Holy Spirit at a Bill Gaither concert? I'm like, no, not really. We were staying in a condo and it was uh, the 30th. So right before the day we were having the concert, we were at a condo and my friend's uh, mother was full of the Holy Ghost and she asked um, my friend and his wife and myself if we would like to be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't sure where I was with it because um, 
Thank God I wasn't taught against it growing up because some churches taught against it and said it's like evil. You know, it's, it's like tongues are from the devil. And, you know, I, I like how Dad Hagen always said, he's like, if tongues are from the devil, then how come when you go to the bars or the club, he didn't say clubs, but it's, I'm putting it in <laughs> paraphrasing modern, in the clubs, why isn't everybody speaking in tongues and drinking and smoking cigarettes and, you know, carousing? You know, why don't you ever hear them speaking in tongues? All this other, you know, what are you talking about? And of course, Jesus said, you know, if someone asks the Father for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give him a serpent or a scorpion or something that's going to harm him. He's going to give him the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, anyhow, uh, in my church, I had a, a friend. He actually also went into the ministry, and he's now back at that same church I was attending. And he is a, uh, I think he's a young adults pastor. Uh, great guy. And uh, he said, um, we were talking about it one time, because I was hungry, and I was searching. And he said, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's real because I went to a service and they said like, you know, you'd be filled with the spirit. Just start saying, uh, like a, like a child would start saying the vowels like, ah, 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 be, 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 say, 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 like, like this, you know, ABC. Right. And, uh, that was not the Holy Spirit and that was not how to receive the Holy Spirit. And somebody was probably had really good intentions, but really bad, uh, teaching and understanding. And so this is the atmosphere I was in, but I had this hunger in my heart. And so, uh, let's see, my best friend at the time, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His mom laid hands on him. He began to speak, and then his wife did, and then it was my turn. And I, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? I don't want to disappoint my friends or whatever, but I'm most, in, most important, I want to do what the Lord has. And I wasn't sure, like, is this from God or is this not? So all this is going on, and I know, like, my turn's coming while they're praying, and I'm, like, I'm kind of getting nervous. And I'm like, oh, what do I, what should I do, Lord? <laughs> like checking everything, praying on the inside. And I didn't know when she said, Tim, would you like me to pray for you? I didn't know what to do. But she said that, and I was just honest. And I said, um, I don't know. And I said, oh. I, I said, I don't know what to do. I said, I just feel like I'm in church, and I need to go down to the altar. Because I knew that. I knew that pull of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I heard those words come out of my mouth, I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I had all these questions, and you guys, most of you know me, I think. I'm a thinker, so I had lots of thoughts, you know, that are coming through. And how come I never heard about this before in my life? I was 19 years, no, I've been 20, 20 years old then. Like, how come I never heard of this? And, of course, you feel like you lived your whole life at 20. Um, <laughs> And uh, all these questions, but all those questions were silenced by the same spirit that I was born again from, prompting in the same way that I was prompted to receive Christ. He prompted me. So then I was part of the Baptist church there. And so uh, they excel a lot in uh, ministering the gospel for people to be born again. And so we would have people, and so I, uh, I can remember, I first, when I was uh, first there, I can remember thinking, uh, I must have done something wrong, I need to go to the altar and pray. Uh, but then I would think, well, I don't think I've done anything wrong, so why do I need to go to the altar and pray? Not understanding that I could sense the pull of the Holy Spirit upon people that were lost to come. So then even when I was at the Baptist church, I started to learn that. So then I started to pray for others. But I would still, because of my upbringing, I would still check, like, is there something, Lord? Because I'm like, I want to stay pliable. I don't want a seared conscience. I don't want a seared spirit. I want to, like, be moldable from the Lord. And so uh, then I realized, oh, okay, this is, the, this is the Lord doing that. So that's the situation I found myself in. So she prayed for me, and 
I began to speak in other tongues. Now, uh, I probably didn't talk as much then as I do now. So, and in school growing up, I was more reserved personality. So I, I began to whisper in other tongues because nobody instructed me like, shout it out, you know, or anything like that. And then the next day I um, had a ski trip planned with the singles group at the church, uh, at different locations. So I got in my pickup truck or I think I took my friend's pickup truck and uh, I didn't know any better, but I just had like this, this pull or uh, this hunger to speak in other tongues. And so it was an hour and a half drive, so I just, well, it was probably a two hour drive, so I just spoke in tongues for an hour and a half the whole way there. And it was so, like, uh, wonderful, so peaceful. And, you know, I didn't know a lot of stuff that I know now, and there's a lot more I need to learn, I know that, but uh, still, I didn't understand all of the being charged, your spiritual battery infused with power. And, and um, but I was just kind of unconsciously led by the Spirit of God. And then as you've probably heard me uh, say before, the biggest thing that I noticed that happened was uh, I started getting revelation and light from the Word of God like I had never had in my life. And I Bible quizzed uh, when I was in, I think, fifth and sixth grade, maybe seventh and eighth as well. And um, I would read those same scriptures and they had new life in them. Well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus actually tells us in John, he takes the things of Christ, the things of Jesus Christ, and makes them real to us. He, he calls him the spirit of reality. And so if you ever had somebody that's like, you know, I just wish the Bible was real to me. Well, uh, they need to yield to the Holy Spirit. They may need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you can have a glass of water or a bottle of water. I'm not going to do it because the sound would might be gross to some people, but I could drink this whole bottle of water right now because I may be kind of thirsty. But that wouldn't mean that I'm full of water, right? I might have to drink like five of these to be full of water, like till you're like, can't drink anymore. And so I had the Holy Spirit, but I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And, um, you know, my wife, Melody, was filled with the Holy Spirit uh, the same day she was born again. So she does not know what it's like to be born again and not filled with the Spirit. So she'll ask me sometimes still. She'll say, can you tell me what that was like again? Because I don't, I don't understand that. And I said, well, I can explain it to you, right? And uh, I can give you lots of examples. Uh, so for me, it was uh, next to salvation, the best experience of my life. You know, I was born again, and I knew I was born again, and... Um, it wasn't really until I came into the faith movement and understood that my faith should actually be based upon the word of God that I was super solid in my salvation because, uh, you know, I just had uh, the Holy Spirit will draw men to Christ and to God and he'll actually convict the world of sin. And so he did that for me and uh, I responded and, and was born again. So my life just really changed. And um, at the same time, I found then right afterwards, I had a hunger for... Uh, uh, to look into like the gifts of the spirit that are in first Corinthians chapter 12 and healing and looking back now, it's actually really fun for me to look back because it all makes so much sense. But I was clueless at the time. I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening. I just, I just had this curiosity about those things more than I had before. I had a hunger cause I could see like, um, there's other stuff going on, and the Lord was, was really uh, working with me, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't 
aware of the ride that I was beginning to get on, <laughs> and it's been a good ride. Uh, but what happens to so many people a lot of the time is you may go like I did for years and be a Christian, be born again, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then people get filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, if, if I heard Brother Hagin say this like one time, I heard him say it 20 times, maybe 50 times. Uh, I'm saying like actually in the meetings because I listen to lots of tapes. You hear it like hundreds of times, however many times. Um, but, you know, he would say like, if you got filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you stop there, you practically missed the whole boat. Like, you practically missed the whole thing. Like, you just, you're just barely in the threshold. And like, if you, you know, uh, if you, if I had done that, and then like, okay, the next day I already told you that part, so I can't tell you I didn't speak in tongues the next day. But if I had just stopped there and done nothing, I would really start to kind of like dry up spiritually and not have that vibrancy of the life of Christ and um, the reality of the things of God and the reality of the spirit of God and the reality of the presence of God. Because, uh, you know, we all have days when you wake up and you think like, is there a God if you go by your feelings, right? But we don't go by feelings. We go by faith. We walk by faith. So sometimes you feel like real inspired, real anointed, real connected. And other days you don't feel inspired, anointed, and connected. But if you live your life, or if I even as a pastor live my life based on my feelings, oh my goodness, you'd be like um, up and down and in and out and here and there. And it doesn't mean that you don't stumble over your feelings sometimes. I'm not saying that. But if you're living, in other words, if you're waiting for a feeling before you act like the Bible's true, you may never get the feeling. Or you'll kind of like have a few good times with the Lord and the rest of the time is going to be kind of like, uh, you know, because the Lord will confirm his word. He actually says in Isaiah... Uh, I think it's Isaiah or Jeremiah. I watch over my word to perform it. And so, um, and of course, Jesus said uh, he would confirm his word with signs following. Like, now he doesn't confirm your feelings. He doesn't confirm your thoughts. He doesn't confirm what you figured out, but he confirms his word. And so he doesn't confirm your opinion. He doesn't confirm my opinion. Right? So I could give, get up here and give you my opinion all day long. That's not what he's about confirming. Thank God. You know, because my opinion is not really worth anything. But the word of God is a treasure beyond all treasure. And um, this may seem a little funny, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyhow. Uh, my favorite Old Testament chapter is Psalms 119. And it's the longest chapter. And the psalmist... David's really talking about his love for the word and how wonderful the word is. And um, Psalm 127, 119, 127 says, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, uh, yes, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Uh, verse 161 Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. 162, I rejoice at your word as one that finds a great spoil. You know, that's like 
King James term for like, I just found this huge treasure, this huge amount of money, like this huge uh, ability to not only be provided for, but to be lavish and to lavish on other people. And um, uh, great peace have they which love your word. Nothing shall offend them. I've chosen your precepts. I have longed for your salvation. Your law is my delight. And on and on and on and on and on. You can go through Psalm 119 and find all of these marvelous passages of Scripture uh, speaking of how wonderful the word is. And uh, in my own life, if I ever have my hunger for the word starts to wane, I just read Psalm 119. And I can't read it for more than three days in a row, but what I am like hunger and thirsting after the word, and I love the word. And so you may have like, or you feel like, I just, I'm just not really interested. Well, when I'm not interested, then I like pick myself up by the coattails and I make myself read Psalm 119. And while I'm reading Psalm 119, I'm quite disinterested, but I'm doing what I believe. Like I know that the word of God changes and I, I found that secret about probably six years ago, I started reading Psalm 119 like almost every day. And I started to understand, that's how I found out that that happens because I would like, I would just read it every day and I'd find sometimes like, you know, you've been, I felt led to read it. I thought, you know, I've been reading it every day. Why should I read it again? And I just had a, a nudge, like read Psalm 119. And so I'd read it again. And sure enough, like the hunger for the word just grew and grew and grew. And not only the hunger for the word, but the reality of the word. Now, <laughs> Um, but you can be filled with the Spirit and stop there and kind of like Dad Hagen said, miss the whole boat. Like, I don't know if that's worse than not being filled or not. Probably not. But Smith Wigglesworth said, if I had a group of people, a Pentecostals, that were filled with the Spirit but not hungry for the Word of God, he said, I would much rather have a group of people that are not filled with the Spirit but are actually hungry for the Word of God. Why? Because God can do something with us when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're responsive unto him. And so you see, like, before I was filled with the Spirit, I wasn't filled with the Spirit, but I was hungry, and I was thirsty, and I was open, and I was seeking. And what did he do? He filled me with the Spirit. He was able to do something with me. Um, well, you know, there is uh, an initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, but there are actually refillings that we should all be living in continually uh, uh, all the time. So I want to look at uh, just a few scriptures uh, that talk about that. But first of all, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1 talks about um, that there were flies in the ointment and it began to stink. Really talking about uh, sometimes you can like respond to the Spirit, be full of the Spirit, and then not yield to the Spirit, and you know you start to stink because there's flies in the ointment. In other words, there's things that's holding up the anointing. There's things that you're not allowing the Lord to do in your life. I'm not allowing the Lord to do in my life. But we don't want any flies in the ointment. We want uh, a fresh oil. So let's read Psalm uh, chapter 92, verses 1 through 15. Psalm 92, 1 through 15, and then we'll, then we'll go over into the New Testament. Ye 
It's a, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name, O Most High, unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings, upon a psaltery, upon the harp, upon, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, has made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works, and your thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knows not, neither does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, are most high forevermore. For lo, your enemies, O Lord, for lo, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn will you exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. My eye also shall see my desire of my enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Uh, Just pause. Like It's so important to be connected in a local house of God, like a local church, because um, I want more attendance. No. It's important for me to be connected in a local church, just like it's important for you to be connected in a local church. Because when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, revelation, interpretation. When you come together, uh, if two or three are gathered together in my midst, there am I in the midst of them. There's something that happens when the church comes together. Actually, the, the word church is the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. It's... Um, it's people that respond to a meeting that God has called, both saved and unsaved. So you see, like, um, we have come to meet with God and to meet with him. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I want to know, like, what's on his agenda, right? Now, if you don't pray yourself, you don't read the Bible yourself and you come into an atmosphere where uh, you can sense the presence of God, uh, you may have to like pray real quick some things that are on your heart to get them off your heart so you can actually join in with what's going on because we're all supposed to be doing that on our own. So when we come together, there's a supply that comes together. Um, But when we come together, there is something that happens. I think uh, Lynn Hammond and Billy Brim described this really, really effectively. They talk about it, of course, a lot with prayer meetings and different things. But you know, there'll never be another church service like this service that's here right now today. Because every one of you and myself, we're in a different place than what we were yesterday. And we'll be in a different place tomorrow. And you bring a supply and I bring a supply. And so uh, the setup of the modern church many times is kind of naturally deceiving because you might look and then all your expectation is on uh, uh, the pastor. But you know, your expectation should be like the psalmist said, only on the Lord. So then if your expectation's on the pastor or the minister, um, it depends how you define that because how it should be defined is you're expecting the Lord to work through the office that he has placed in the body and then you draw upon the office. You don't draw upon the man or the woman, the person, the young person, the older person. You're drawn upon the Lord and you're looking for the Lord uh, because just like the man, uh, the lame man that was let down through the roof, there was no natural way except for they did whatever they could but Jesus then could still not have responded. 
But God will make a way, and God has your number, and he has my number. And so um, it's interesting because I was filled with the Spirit, and then um, maybe about four months later, I saw an advertisement at a, not the Baptist church, but another church I was sneaking off to. And I always enjoyed talking to uh, older ministers. And I saw this picture of this white-haired man who had a decent amount of weight on him, and uh, it was Brother Hagen, and it said Kenneth Hagen, and I had I didn't know who Kenneth Hagen was. I didn't know who Kenneth Copeland was. I didn't know any of these people, and um, but I just thought, oh, you know, they're saying a lot of things at this church that I'd never heard before. I'd like to see, you know, and uh, hear. And this guy, he's going to have a lot of wisdom. He's an older guy. He probably won't be that wild. And so um, uh, eight months later, he came, and. Um, a lot of you know that that part of my testimony, and you know my life was really changed uh, in a wonderful way, uh, even more so from that point forward. And then uh, three months later, I moved to Tulsa or Broken Arrow to go to uh, Rama Bible Training Center, and uh, then uh, you know the rest is history, as they like to say. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't aware of like what was going on. I mean, actually what happened in the first meeting I was in, and I have, a, I have it on recording. It's on a video, actually. It's pretty awesome. But uh, Brother Hagen got up, and he started to prophesy. And he prophesied. He said that this day will be a turning point in your life. And it will affect the course of your life, whether you choose to go on with God or you choose not to. And so as evidence that you are going to choose to go with God, I want you to get out of your seats and I want you to come forward, physically move forward, to demonstrate before everyone here and before the Lord that you're going to go on with him. Well, I had no idea what was happening. Later when I worked there and worked in the video department, I, I thought, oh, I'd like to see some of the meetings I was in. So I went and looked it up and found it. And I like almost fell out of my chair. I was like, oh my gosh, he was prophesying. And I didn't I didn't know. I didn't understand that. But I could look back then, and I can look back now, and the course of my life changed. And my wife is very happy. I was engaged to another woman. So not only was my spiritual life changed, but even my wife, my future wife was changed. And um, so many blessings that you, you, I, you know, I uh, don't really have time to go into. But just to say that you know, when you're full of the Holy Spirit... You're pliable, and the Lord works with you, and you find yourself doing stuff that you would never figure out, that you would never naturally do. You're just like, whoa, I, yeah, I guess I'm going to do this. And so, I mean, I was working a midnight shift in the military, and I would get off the midnight shift and then go to the morning meeting with Brother Hagen, a person I didn't even know. And, um, you know, like I like I said, the first, that first night, that same first night, there were so many like demonstrative things that happened, people falling out, and they were, like had the audacity to pray for people's eyes to be healed and lay hands just like it was in the New Testament, like they could do that. That was my thinking at the time, because <laughs> I didn't understand it. And uh, so I went home, and I talked to the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know about this. You know, I gave $5 an offering, and I don't know if I gave it to the work of the devil, because uh, what's going on? And the Lord was so patient, because he said to me, he said, I, I remember it to this day. Uh, I still, I still can hear his voice. It's not like I heard it audibly. It's like that still small voice, the inward witness. Go back in the morning. If you still have trouble with it, then I'll talk to you about it. And I was like, oh, oh, I, 
okay. I, I was trying to think like, okay, what's wrong with that response? <laughs> but I couldn't find anything wrong with it. So I went back the next morning and then I started to get the word and my mind started to be changed. So much so that now you look back and you like what I said with eyes being healed, you're like, who is that? Like, what is that? Like, how can you, how could you think that? Well, because my mind wasn't transformed. And then I started to get the word on these things and my mind was changed. Like, like uh, the word there is metamorphosis, metamorphosized. And so that like a caterpillar changes into a moth. And if you didn't tell a kid that that happened, they would say like, you would say, are these the same? No, these are not the same. And so you can look at your own life and look back and say, well, is this the same? No, this is not the same. This is different. This is new. And so we want to be anointed with fresh oil. Let's look at uh, Acts. We'll turn over to uh, the book of Acts. Well, I had no idea what time it was. Acts chapter 2. Anybody know Acts chapter 2, verse 4? I'll start with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, as the Spirit enabled them, one translation says. And with that in mind, go to Acts chapter 4. You know, Acts chapter 3, they healed the lame man at the gate beautiful, and then they're calling the carpet for it, and what are we going to do, what are we going to do? So they come together uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and uh, they were threatened. So in verse 24 it says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. So they're all the same mind, same heart, they saw the same challenges, and they said, oh Lord, everyone in unison. Everyone came together, and um, you are God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of a truth, against your holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, verse 29, behold their threatenings. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The, the physical place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, wait a minute. Back in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, 120 in the upper room were filled with the Holy Ghost. So how are they filled with the Holy Ghost again? Well, there's something called um, be being filled. Acts, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter, or no, maybe it's 5 there. Yeah, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Uh, no, sorry. It is Ephesians 5. 
Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Well, I'm not going to have you turn there for the sake of time, but if you look at Acts chapter 19, it says when they came to Ephesus, they found believers. And when they found believers, they said, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we, not, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, well, then whose baptism were you baptized? Well, John's baptism. And so he said, be, you know, receive the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. They received the Holy Spirit. But we find uh, Paul writing to the church that was already filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. We find him saying in Ephesians chapter 5 to be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek literally says, be being filled with the Spirit. I think I said it before, but last year, I think it was last year, whenever, I was flying to Michigan all the time. And so I flew over Detroit, whatever, I don't know, just thinking about it made me tired. <laughs> I was flying somewhere over Detroit, and I saw these big cargo ships, and they were like piled down with grain. And then I remembered my kids' video they have of like, you know, these mighty machines or something like that where they're filling all this. And you could see like the grain filling one of those ships so that the bow actually, the whole ship, not just the bow, goes into the water, begins to sink into the water from the weight. And just on the inside, I had a witness like, that's being filled. And I said, oh, that's really good. That's being filled. And so what happens many times is we have an initial filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, but you know, you leak and I leak. And so we have to be in the position where we are being filled. One of the ways we do that is by speaking, be filled speaking. Um, One of the greatest ways to do that is really come into the presence of God. You get with God and he'll fill you up. And I mentioned in the Baptist church, you know, we'd go to the altar and um, in my church growing up, it was a free Methodist church. And uh, uh, they didn't understand speaking in other tongues, but man, they were like holy rollers and they would wave hankies and they'd run as like they're not when I was there, but back when they started. And um, so they knew the Holy Spirit in a measure, but you realize that you have that initial experience. And if you don't stay connected and stay full, one of the ways you do that is praying in other tongues. Another way you do that is like you, you, you come to the altar, you come before the presence of God, and you draw from him, and he will fill you fresh and fill you new. So as we begin this new year, um, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit, and not only being filled with the Spirit, but being filled, not only initial filling, but being filled, because, uh, you know, was it Jude talks about praying in the Holy Ghost and walking in love? It actually gives you the ability to walk in love. Uh, and when you yield to the Holy Spirit, like Smith Wigglesworth said, you actually go beyond yourself. You get on God's territory and you let God work through you. You let God actually um, use you the way he wants to use you. Not the way you think you should be used, not based on the knowledge that you know, but based on his assignment and based on what he needs you to do. Because, um, you know, even in prayer, um, John Wesley said, it seems that God does nothing in the earth except someone ask him. And so uh, we need watchmen on the walls that are actually available to pray, and not only for our church, but in the body of Christ. Uh, Because, you know, uh, there's lots of attacks. The enemy is arrayed against us, and he wants to attack 
the body of Christ, to stop the body of Christ from rising up and being who we are made to be and who we're supposed to be. And the only way we can be effective is to be people of the word, but also people of the spirit and to be full of the Holy Spirit and allow him to work with us and work through us. So if everyone would stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you'd like to be, uh, I'd love to pray with you and for you. It's one of the best things that could happen in your life. If you're online and you're listening and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I invite you to email us or to give us a call at the number that's on the website, anchordc.org. Uh, the email is info at anchordc.org. And uh, we'll get some materials to you and we'll uh, pray with you and for you. If you're here this morning and you would just like me to lay hands on you for a fresh infilling of the Spirit, uh, you can just uh, come down front and I'll be happy to do that. Um, if you want to just remain in your seat or you're listening online and you can't get here, I'm going to pray a prayer and just agree with the prayer and um, uh, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, that your word is life to us, health to all of our flesh, that your word gives us direction and understanding, that your word guides our path. But Father, I thank you that you didn't just leave us with your word, without your spirit to make your word uh, understandable to us to make your word real to us, to make your word touchable to us. Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost, the spirit of reality. Father, and we thank you. Then in Ephesians, we learn that we are to be continually being filled with your spirit. So right now, upon, with everyone under my voice, Father, we just ask for a fresh infilling of your spirit. Father, we ask for you to stir us up. Father, we yield to you. We give you place, Father, that we will be continually receiving from you, continually flowing with you and allowing you to continually flow through us. We declare it's no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. This life that we live, we live by trusting you, by faith in you and your son who loved us and gave himself for us. Father, I thank you that you have put us beyond, that you've put us beyond the natural, that you've put us beyond reason, that you've put us beyond our own abilities. And Father, that you have put us on your court and on your terrain and on your territory. Father, I thank you that you've enabled us to fulfill what you've called us to do. We declare that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we are anointed by you, that we are rubbed on by your spirit. Father, we thank you for your anointing, and we thank you for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. Father, I pray that each of us will be reminded to continually be filled with your Spirit, speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in our hearts to you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.